diligence procedures, demanding that banks freeze more assets, and further empowering the Financial Action Task Force, FATF, an intergovernmental body that monitors international standards on money laundering and terrorist financing. In a telling statement, then-U.S. Treasury Secretary Jacob Liu, speaking at the same Security Council session, said that the aim was not to deprive terrorists of their money, but to protect the international financial system. This approach has failed for two reasons. First, terrorists' money is hard to find. Al-Qaeda's leader, Ayman al-Zawahiri, and ISIS's self-declared caliph, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, surely do not have bank accounts in their own names, and lower-ranking members and middlemen tend not to be officially designated as terrorists by governments or international institutions such as the UN. Without the names or identities of terrorists or their financers, banks struggle to single out suspicious transactions. If banks were to investigate every movement of money for which they could not immediately see a legitimate economic rationale, they would have to scrutinize tens of millions of transactions every day. Given that terrorist operations are cheap, none of the recent attacks in Europe cost more than $30,000, they would have to carry out in-depth investigations of the circumstances behind millions of transactions of less than $1,000. As long as governments are unwilling to share more intelligence about suspects and suspicious entities with banks, calls for the financial sector to crack down on terrorist financing serve as little more than political rhetoric. Second, large amounts of terrorist funds never enter the global financial system. In such countries as Afghanistan, Iraq, Somalia, Syria, and Yemen, where al-Qaeda and ISIS have their strongholds, only a tiny percentage of the population holds bank accounts. Even large and legitimate transactions are carried out in cash, which means that most people never interact with the international financial system at all. As a result, few of the financial transactions of terrorist groups appear on bank statements. In fact, not only has the focus on the financial sector proved ineffective, it has also harmed innocent people and businesses. To address policymakers' demands, financial institutions have de-risked their portfolios, shedding investments and clients that might be linked to terrorist financing. Without intelligence on specific individuals and entities, banks have relied on open-source databases for their due diligence. But these databases contain inaccurate and outdated entries. De-risking, moreover, has resulted in the de facto exclusion of entire countries, mostly poor ones such as Afghanistan and Somalia, from the global financial system. The bank accounts of refugees... Charities that operate in regions torn apart by civil war, and even Western citizens with family links to so-called risk countries have been closed. Practically no Western bank now offers cash transfers to Somalia, for example, although 40% of the population depends on remittances from abroad. When the last U.S. bank to offer such payments shut down its service in early 2015, Somali Americans started a Twitter campaign using the hashtag hashtag #IFundFoodNotTerror. In addition to disrupting countless lives and undermining the work of legitimate charities, de-risking has fueled a boom in informal and unregulated financial services. Rather than use Western banks, immigrants to the West increasingly rely on informal money transfer systems, known as hawala networks in the Muslim world, to send remittances home. In contrast to banks, these networks depend on trusts, require little identification, maintain no systematic or centralized records, and lie outside the remit of government regulators. In other words, driving terrorists away from the international financial system 
has inadvertently made it easier for them to move money around the world undetected. Moneymakers. But the problems with the current strategy run deeper. The very idea of terrorist financing is misguided. It implies that there is a set of financial methods that all terrorist groups employ. Nothing could be further from the truth. The concept of terrorist financing is defined by its purpose, and this makes it difficult to generalize about its sources and methods. Different groups fund their operations in different ways, and for transnational networks such as Al-Qaeda, the methods may even differ from place to place. Consider the alleged involvement of the East African jihadist group Al-Shabaab in the ivory trade. When this first became public in 2013, journalists and experts were quick to add wildlife poaching to their list of terrorist financing methods, and politicians, such as former U.S. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, started calling for action against the ivory trade as part of the global war on terror.